Coming up in this episode. We were concerned that the American people had been misled about the underlying conduct and what General Flynn had done. That's former Acting Attorney General Sally Yates before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Crime and Terrorism on May 8th. They were looking into Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. election. Yates was talking about what the Justice Department had learned about former National Security Michael Flynn. And according to her testimony, the Justice Department was not just concerned about what they had learned. We weren't the only ones that knew all of this, that the Russians also knew about what General Flynn had done. And the Russians also knew that General Flynn had misled the vice president and others. Because in the media accounts, it was clear from the vice president and others that they were repeating what General Flynn had told them and that this was a problem. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Recently, we introduced you to General Michael Flynn. Lock her up. That's right. Get that's right. Lock her up. Mike Flynn. Who is he? Really, the controversial former national security advisor for President Donald Trump. President Trump has severely criticized the various agreements reached between Iran. As of today, we are officially putting Iran on notice. Thank you. He went from a fast-track four-star general. Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, and I'm the uh, director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. To being fired. After a year of silence, he exploded on the political scene with this. So... Crooked Hillary Clinton, leave this race now. And then he became national security advisor, but not before his relationship with Russia was revealed. Was the president aware that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was acting as a foreign agent when he appointed him to be the national security advisor? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. That was a part of our broadcast on episode 62 when we looked into who. Michael Flynn really is. Since then, the investigation into his alleged connections to the Russian government have continued, and there was a hearing on Monday, May 8th, at the U.S. Capitol before the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee investigating Russia's alleged meddling into the U.S. election. But before we get to that, there was another stunning development in Washington on Tuesday, May 9th. President Donald Trump fired FBI Director James Comey suddenly. Not quite clear why. The explanation was possibly because of the job that he had done. And that was something that was questioned as well, because the president had publicly praised him in recent months. His firing sent shockwaves around the world. On Wednesday morning, May 10th, on WTOP Radio in Washington, D.C., Senator Tim Kaine spoke with host Mike Moss and Joan Jones about what he believed happened. Senator, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, The White House says that the reason for this was 
the way that uh, Comey conducted the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails, but there are many who are concerned that there may be some linkage in a frustration that the president has had with the ongoing investigation into alleged uh, Russian uh, meddling into the 2016 campaign. Is there anything that you can offer this morning in the way of giving people listening and understanding that that investigation will continue with the FBI unhindered? Uh, Mike, first, let me just say that I think it is definitely the case that this firing is an effort by an insecure president to to thwart the Russia investigation. Um, The one-page letter that the president signed to Comey has this very odd phrase in it where he says, thank you for telling me three times I'm not the subject of your investigation into Russian influence, which may not even be true, but why did the president want to insert that into the letter? And second, you now see a pattern emerging when Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates went to the White House and said, your national security advisor is compromised by and lying about Russia. She got fired. Um, When uh, the Flynn contacts with Russia finally saw the public light of day, he got fired. When Attorney General Sessions was caught misleading the Senate Judiciary Committee about his contacts with Russia, he was forced to recuse himself. And now FBI Director Jim Comey, who's leading an investigation into ties between the Trump team and Russia, is fired, even though he has a 10-year term that is supposed to insulate him from congressional or executive politics. A clear pattern is emerging. We've got to get to the bottom of it. There will be more to come. And we really do need a special prosecutor so that we can make sure this investigation is independent and is not subject to a Trump effort to shut it down. Senator, what do you make of the uh, memo that was penned by Attorney General Rod Rosenstein that uh, noted that uh, Comey's conduct during and after the Clinton email probe was uh, questionable in his words? And almost everyone, he said, agrees that the director made some serious mistakes. Does that have a lot of weight to you or not? No, I, I found that letter kind of laughable that President Trump says, oh, you know, we're going to fire Jim Comey because he made mistakes and with respect to the probe into Hillary's emails. This was a president, and the decision was made by the president, not by Rod Rosenstein. It was made by the president. This is a president who touted everything about Hillary's emails, who led crowds chanting lock her up because of the emails. The notion that, well, gosh, you know, you, you treated Hillary hard over emails. We need to let you go. I think, I think it's laughable. If that was the case, obviously, he would have made the decision right when he was elected. No, he's making the decision now because the noose is tightening on this Russia investigation. And that is the theme that links Yates and Flynn and Sessions and, uh, and now Comey, unusual firings or recusals of all of them, and they're all connected to Russia. And that's why this investigation, both in the Senate Intelligence Committee and in the FBI and the broader law enforcement uh, investigation, it's so important that we get to the bottom of it. But as we continue to process what happened with Comey, we go back to the hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday, May 8th. The hearing opened up with testimony from former Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper. Chairman Graham, ranking member of the White House and members of the subcommittee, uh, certainly didn't expect to be before this committee or any other committee of the Congress again so soon since I thought I was all done with this when I left the government. And uh, this is only my first uh, of two hearings this week. But understandably, concern about the egregious Russian interference in our election process is so critically serious as to merit focus 
hopefully bipartisan focus by the Congress and the American people. Last year, the intelligence community conducted an exhaustive review of Russian inter interference into our presidential election process, resulting in a Special Intelligence Community Assessment, or ICA, as we call it. I'm here today to provide whatever information I can, now as a private citizen, on how the intelligence community conducted its analysis, came up with its findings, and communicated them to the Obama administration, to the Trump transition team, to the Congress, and in unclassified form to the American public. Additionally, I'll briefly address four related topics that have emerged since the ICA was produced. Because of both classification and some executive privilege strictures requested by the White House, there are limits to what I can discuss. And of course, my direct official knowledge of, of any of this stopped on 20 January when my term of office was happily over. As you know, the IC was a coordinated product from three agencies, CIA, NSA, and, and the FBI, not all 17 components of the intelligence community, those three, under the aegis of my former office. Following extensive intelligence reporting about many Russian efforts to collect on and influence the outcome of the presidential election, President Obama asked us to do this in early December and have it completed before the end of his term. The two dozen or so analysts for this task were hand-picked, seasoned experts from each of the contributing agencies. They were given complete, unfettered, mutual access to all sensitive raw intelligence data and, importantly, complete independence to reach their findings. They found that the Russian government pursued a multifaceted influence campaign in the run-up to the election, including aggressive use of cyber capabilities. The Russians used cyber operations against both political parties, including hacking into servers used by the Democratic National Committee and releasing stolen data to WikiLeaks and other media outlets. Russia also collected on certain Republican Party-affiliated targets, but did not release any Republican-related data. The intelligence community assessment concluded first that President Putin directed an influence campaign to erode the faith and confidence of the American people in our presidential election process. Second, that he did so to demean Secretary Clinton. And third, that he sought to advantage Mr. Trump. These conclusions were reached based on the richness of the information gathered and analyzed and were thoroughly vetted and then approved by the directors of the three agencies and me. These Russian activities and the resultant assessment were briefed first to President Obama on the 5th of January, then to President-elect Trump at Trump Tower on the 6th and to the Congress via a series of five briefings from the 6th through the 13th of January. The classified version was profusely annotated with footnotes drawn from thousands of pages of supporting material. The key judgments in the unclassified version published on the 6th of January were identical to the classified version. While it's been over four months since the issuance of this assessment, as Directors Comey and Rogers testified before the House Intelligence Committee on the 20th of March, the conclusions and confidence levels reached at the time still stand. I think that's a statement to the quality and professional of the, ICE, of, of the intelligence community people who produce such a compelling intelligence report during a tumultuous, controversial time under intense scrutiny and with a very tight deadline. During the course of his opening statements, Clapper spoke about several other issues. They relate to how the intelligence community does some of its work. It's related to the story, but not germane to the understanding of Michael Flynn and what went on at this hearing. 
So now we jump ahead to Clapper's conclusion from his opening remarks. In conclusion, Russia's influence activities in the run-up to the 2016 election constituted the high-water mark of their long-running efforts since the 1960s to disrupt and influence our elections. They must be congratulating themselves for having exceeded their wildest expectations with a minimal expenditure of resource. And I believe they are now emboldened to, to continue such activities in the future, both here and around the world, and to do so even more intensely. If there has ever been a clarion call for vigilance and action against a threat to the very foundation of our democratic political system, this episode is it. I hope the American people recognize the severity of this threat and that we collectively counter it before it further erodes the fabric of our democracy. I'll now turn to my former colleague, Acting Attorney General Sally Yates, for any remarks that she has to make. As Clapper finished, there was another story to be told, equally, if not much more, dramatic. Former Acting Attorney General Sally Yates responded to a question from Senator Lindsey Graham about her interaction with the White House. So I told them again that there were a number of press accounts of statements that had been made by the Vice President and other high-ranking White House officials about General Flynn's conduct that we knew to be untrue. And we told them how we knew that this how we had this information, how we had acquired it, and how we knew that it was untrue. And we walked the White House counsel, who also had an associate there with him, through General Flynn's underlying conduct, the contents of which I obviously cannot go through with you today because it's classified. But we took him through in a fair amount of detail of the underlying conduct, what General Flynn had done, and then we walked through the various press accounts and how it had been falsely reported. We also told the White House counsel that General Flynn had been interviewed by the FBI on February 24th. Um, Mr. McGahn asked me how he did, and I declined to give him an answer to that. And we then walked through with Mr. McGahn essentially why we were telling them about this. And the first thing we did was to explain to Mr. McGahn that the underlying conduct that General Flynn had engaged in was problematic in and of itself. Secondly, we told him we felt like the vice president and others were entitled to know that the information that they were conveying to the American people wasn't true. And we wanted to make it really clear right out of the gate that we were not accusing Vice President Pence of knowingly providing false information to the American people. And in fact, Mr. McGahn responded back to me to let me know that anything that General Flynn would have said would have been based, excuse me, anything that Vice President Pence would have said would have been based on what General Flynn had told him. Um, we told him the third reason was is because we were concerned that the American people had been misled about the underlying conduct and what General Flynn had done. And additionally, that we weren't the only ones that knew all of this, that the Russians also knew about what General Flynn had done, and the Russians also knew that General Flynn had misled the vice president and others. Because in the media accounts, it was clear from the vice president and others that they were repeating what General Flynn had told them. And that this was a problem, because not only did we believe that the Russians knew this, but that they likely had proof of this information. And that created a compromise situation, a situation where the national security advisor essentially could be blackmailed by the Russians. Finally, we told them that we were giving them all of this information 
so that they could take action, the action that they deemed appropriate. Um, I remember that Mr. McGahn asked me whether or not General Flynn should be fired, and I told him that that really wasn't our call, that was up to them, but that we were giving them this information so that they could take action. Michael Flynn's situation has a lot of people, as we mentioned in episode 62, scratching their heads about why he did what he did, what he might have been thinking, what's the process for investigating this, and what happens next. So we turn to intelligence expert and former covert CIA operative Robert Bayer for some context and perspective on this. We know the story, the backstory of Michael Flynn, um, but on May 8th, former acting attorney general Sally Yates and former DNI James Clapper uh, made some statements before the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Crime, and they put in context some things that I don't know that the American people knew about what was going on behind the scenes after Michael Flynn became National Security Advisor. Put into context what you gathered from what happened and why they expressed so much urgency in making sure that the Trump administration knew about this. Well, they were doing their duty. I mean, that's what the, uh, the Department of Justice does or the DNI. They see a security problem and they go to the White House. And they were doing exactly their job. It was a fair warning. There was nothing on Yates's part or Clapper's that would even suggest or hint that they had done this for political reasons. They simply went into the president, into his counsel, and said, look, we got some problems with Flynn. He's compromised. Um, we've intercepted him on a telephone talking to a Russian official, uh, giving away what they believed were secrets. Uh, they were also quite aware that he had worked for the Russian government when he accepted money from RT, Russia Today. Uh, you know, and then, then Trump turns around and says, you know, I don't care. I don't care about the Department of Justice. I don't care about the FBI. I don't care about American intelligence. I'm going to do things the way I want to do. I like Flynn, and I'm going to appoint him. It, just, it was just pig-headed. No other way to look at it. Looking at Flynn's behavior, this guy was a four-star general. I mean, he was in a very significant position in the military and in the intelligence community. What is your understanding or your thought about what caused him to take the actions that he had to have some reservations about? At least he couldn't have done it blindly. He had to know that this was going to be a serious situation. What's your view on why it happened? Well, I think it Plan, uh, you know, look, I, the way I think of it is that Flynn was served his country. He served in war zones. Uh, he was well liked at DIA and on a personal level. I've talked to people there. Uh, and then he started becoming political. Uh, you know, started, you know, hiring contractors that had crazy ideas about the way the world works, about Afghanistan, the rest of it. And, and he lost his bearings when he was at DIA. Um, and, you know, and, and then once he became arrogant, once he became sort of the right-hand advisor to Trump, he thought he could get away with things. He just didn't understand the way the American government works and that you can't just on your own call the Russian ambassador 
and start freelancing it on policy. So he, uh, he, you know, he just like, what can I say? I, I won't say he lost his mind, but he certainly did lose his bearings. And is it your belief that the Russians knew that he was kind of off the rails and they took advantage of it? I, I'm sure they knew he was off the rails. Simply showing up in Moscow, going to a dinner with Putin, sitting next to him, getting photographed, uh, going out and seeing Russian military intelligence, the GRU, the first time ever. Uh, I mean, the Russians started to look at him as some sort of fellow traveler and intended to exploit him. And, and you know, he, had, he was off the reservation, and the, Rus the Russians knew it and intended to use that. What about after this took place and him then going into the campaign, you remember the crooked Hillary and lock her up and all of that from the Republican convention, him then being appointed as national security advisor. How did all of that happen without them being concerned about who he was and what he'd been doing? Well, I, I don't, look, I don't think that Trump ever thought he could get elected. I think he was out there just branding the Trump empire, staking out uh, radical positions that he never thought he would have to maintain once he was in the White House. And if he could get an American general, you know, with a, with a granite jaw to go out there and say, this is the way the world is, and stir up his base, you know, I didn't think, I don't think Trump, Trump was not, did not have a transition team to take into the White House. He did not have a national security advisor appointee that was well plugged into Washington or respected. And he said, uh-oh, who do I use now? And he says, I'll use Flynn. In fact, uh, you know, not even thinking of the consequences about governing. I don't, I don't think Trump ever considered the ed to govern the country. And I still think it's a surprise to him. And it, it's a learning lesson every day. Interesting points you make. But what about Mike Rogers, your colleague at, at CNN? He was well-respected. He's a former FBI uh, agent, uh, former chair of the House Intelligence Committee. I mean, there he, he was, a, he was a, by many that I've spoken to, a good option. Oh, he, Rogers would have been much better. I mean, Rogers would have understood that the Russian ambassador's phone was tapped. He would have been careful. He would have gone through the system. He would have gone to Pence and Trump and said, hey, I plan to approach the Russian advance, you know, during the transition. Uh, Rogers is, you know, was, he, he had a, you know, he was a lot steadier type, you know. And that's what you need in Washington these days, and especially the rest of it. And, and you, you know, you, you get elected with one set of people and you govern with another. And Trump forgot that in regards to okay. Flynn. The testimony from Clapper. And the testimony from Yates on May 8th, 2017, anything that surprised you? No, I expected exactly. Um, you know, and the fact that Clapper didn't know about the, the wiretap on, uh, on uh, what's the guy's name, um, Page. Yeah, I know yeah, the FBI doesn't, you know, doesn't spread that around. That's a criminal investigation, and you don't call up the DNI, Clapper, and tell him about criminal investigations. Uh, you don't have to. I mean, I've seen the FBI look into the CIA and not inform the CIA director. It's just what they do. They, they tightly hold a, a telltap like that. So that didn't surprise None of it surprised me. This is the way the government works. 
what, what do you see happening next? What do you think should happen next? Uh, aside from impeach Trump? Well, aside from that. If, <laughs> I, mean, I, had to, I had to say that. I had to put that in. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the entire White House needs to be cleaned up. I mean, you cannot have these ideologues, you know, Hungarian fascists sitting in the White House and expect to govern the United States. You just can't. It's, it remains a, a moderate country. Uh, Trump now, lost the popular vote by tri- three million. Let's not forget that. He cannot rule with his base or, or with, with radical, the, you know, the radical alt-right. It just, it's not going to work. Well, as you know, um, being a national security correspondent, I cannot weigh in on any side, either side, and nor would I if I could. I obviously need to figure that you are saying these things from... I'm saying these things as an American that care about my country. I want my country back. I don't want Russia, (laughs) Saudi Arabia, or China calling the shots in Washington, nor do I want any ideologues. And finally, I want Trump to do well. He's going to be our president, and I want him to have level-headed people in the White House that are going to tell us, give us the facts about North Korea, and then do the right thing. I don't want ideology, either right or left, governing our foreign policy. General yeah. Flynn has been very quiet for the last few months. What do you think he's thinking? Oh, I think that Trump, I think Flynn has cut a deal uh, with the FBI. He's filled in his forms properly, admitted to working for the Turkish government, admitted to the RT stuff, and a couple other governments he was taking money from. I think he's going to tell the FBI he's now worried everything he knows and what he did and what didn't do, he didn't do. I mean, n- nothing, any craziness Flynn did on his part doesn't necessarily have to come from the instructions of the president, and I don't think it did. I think he was freelancing. Um, yeah. And that's, that's my best guess. That's all I can tell you. This whole story involving President Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, Michael Flynn, James Comey, the Russian government, and the cast of characters that seems to grow by the week is far from over. And so is our coverage. Coming up in our next episode, the latest on terrorism, intelligence, espionage, cyber, if it's related to national security, we'll be on it. Thank you for joining us and please follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's one word, Tango, Uniform, Sierra, Alpha Podcast. And let me know what you think at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's one word. J, the color green, at WTOP.com. That's WhiskeyTangoOscarPapa.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. One million. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. So figure out what your next read is going to be. Download Fully Booked right now on the Podcast One app at Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com.